Welcome on in to Empower Talks. This is the podcast where we talk about careers with people across the insurance industry. I'm thrilled to have Nick Dunlop with us today, who has two roles he's going to talk to us about. The first is his role at WTW, where he's a client relationship director and also pinnacle in the conversation of how the insurance market can work together to improve the environment and how we can support our clients to make this planet a better place. He also got to visit COP26, so he's going to tell us a bit about that too. Now, Nick has a second role in the market, which is actually how Nick and I first met. And it's through the Worshipful Company of Insurers, the WCI. Nick is the warden, which means that he is the upcoming master. So he's going to tell us a bit about that. I appreciate it can be quite difficult to understand what the WCI is outside looking in. And Nick and I are really going to share with you our experiences as well as what his view is and his goal is for his role for his year as master. So there's lots for us to explore in this episode. Nick's passion is really key on both of these topics. So lots of takeaways for you. If anyone's interested in hearing more about either topics, then of course you can get in touch with myself or Nick after this episode. So welcome, Nick. It's great to have you here. I know we've had some really intriguing conversations and you're involved in lots of things um, around the industry that people are passionate about and interested in, some of which I think people know maybe a little bit about, but quite a lot of is maybe some of the mystery of the industry that hopefully we're going to dispel a little bit today. Thank you, Sam. And it's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Well, let's find out a little bit about who you are, if that's okay. Do you want to tell everyone um, about your journey through insurance to date? Well, sure. I mean, it's it seems like a short journey, but it's quite a long journey, I guess. I, uh, I started in the business now incredibly 40 years ago. Um, I've always worked for the same organization, but in lots of different roles. So I'm, uh, I work for WTW um, and uh, I'm really a, a kind of failed aeronautical engineer is probably the best way to describe it. I, I started off with an incredible ambition and all my education was heading towards doing that. Um, and I then had a, a real kind of sort of change in direction. I decided that I didn't want to do these things. I wanted to go and work in the city of London and I, I thought, what am I going to do? And uh, I literally had a conversation with a, a friend who said, hey, you should do this. It's a really interesting uh, industry to be in. You'll get to meet lots of people and do lots of things. And at this incredibly simplistic level, I thought, gosh, this sounds interesting. So I, I found my way up to the city. Um, I had some interviews with with various organizations um, and Willis, uh, Willis Faber, as it was at the time, seemed certainly to be the the place for me i already knew some people there i had a lot of comfort um they treated me very respectfully as a complete rookie and so that's where i uh i started my my journey in the industry in uh, october 1981 um started work as a as a very very junior claims broker carrying incredibly heavy files around a very paper-driven uh market um and I then sort of migrated my way. Uh, I thought I'd arrived, period, arrived. After 10 months, I uh, became a very, very junior broker running around the London market on North American uh, property business, which really is a job I then did for the next sort of 25 years. I, I happened to be in and out of America a lot and um, Canada, uh, a lot of 
making new markets in Europe and doing all sorts of things. Um, but I did that for a long time. Um, I then became more of a salesman, to be honest with you. I was more into business development, so I spent a lot of time working as a, a senior sales person across all of the specialty businesses. So I, I got to really there diversify a lot, everything from aerospace to bloodstock. It was an incredible span of, of business. Got involved in building some industry segments uh, for for Willis, um, which was a new a new thing for us that we did, um, and then uh, migrated finally to what I do today, which is uh, two things. I look after some big accounts for the for the organisation, and um, I am also the insurance lead in our climate and resilience hub. So looking at how we are going to manage the climate crisis both for our clients and then how we're going to commercially uh, sort of benefit from it as an organisation. I think those two things unashamedly go nicely together. So huge potted history of 40 years in the, in the business. Brilliant. And um, we'll hone in a lot more on what you're doing today, but I, I just had a visualisation as you were talking through that. And it's one that probably people new to the industry won't um, know used to happen. But I can remember just about, it was an oddity when I saw it, um, brokers walking around with suitcases around around the city because their slips and their paperwork <laughs> was so heavy. Were you ever one of those? Not quite to that. Uh, no, I think that, that was a quite strange thing. I think there was a sort of strange, perverse pride that you could carry more files without resorting to one of those. And uh, so, yeah, but I started off with uh, with some very, very heavy files that you had to cart around and, and they certainly uh, were... They, they, you didn't need to go for a workout. Put it that way. It was a, it was a lot of arm muscle in in those days. Sadly, uh, sadly disappeared now. But uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of paper. <laughs> so PPL has been replaced with gym memberships. Is Correct. We can take yeah, from that. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so, um, let's talk about the the environmental role that you're involved in because um, you're really quite key in terms of the conversation that's going on in the market you'll be able to be centered around a lot of these conversations and um in particular i saw that you went to cop 26 with some other key um figures from the market so do you want to tell us a little bit about firstly why it is you're involved uh, what, what personally has got you interested in that but also what you think we're able to do as an industry and, and what your vision is sure well i think you know, the insurance industry has got such a pivotal role to play here uh, in encouraging uh, our society and supporting our society through this process that is being called transition, you know, which is moving from where we are right now, which is a sort of high carbon emitting society that we know is not sustainable for, for mankind. Um, to an to an economy that is thriving but uh, is a low carbon economy which will be hopefully sustainable for for mankind and this needs to be this needs to be done quickly and I think there are a couple of things that our industry really brings to the table here you know the first the first thing is we've got incredible power in our hands to influence I mean I think just like our friends in the banking business and the asset management business, the lending business are saying, you know, we're going to expect far tougher criteria to uh, for people to qualify if we're going to lend them money. So we're going to expect people to be heading down a low carbon path. We're going to we have an equally powerful role here to say, 
you know, there's the role of the insurer. The insurer is also somebody that inherently sort of discerning on risk, risk quality and what that risk looks like. And I think we too have a very powerful sort of role in this, in this place to, to differentiate between what is, what is good and what is bad and encourage the good and discourage the bad. So whilst we're in a process of transition, and this is by no means a black and white thing, I think the power to do that is, is very important. But the second thing is, you know, our roots are absolutely fundamentally in doing something that everybody now wants to do, which is in the sort of quantification and qualification of, of catastrophe risk. We, we really understand this subject incredibly helpful to we can be incredibly helpful to society in, in saying look we've got this understanding and we can share this understanding with you we've developed these amazing models methods metrics which have produced a financial system the global insurance and reinsurance business which up until now has proven to be pretty robust in the face of major catastrophic risk so we've got we've got some tools and some methods some models that enable us to be resilient and sustainable. And everybody needs to be that now. So there's this massive place for us to take this expertise and point it, sort of take it from the back of our business and point it out front of our business. And I think we can be really helpful in, in using these tools. Then I think the final point is, look, there's gonna be a huge need for new technology, new technology to drive the green revolution. And that, is going to require funding and that funding is going to require insurance you know lenders are notoriously risk adverse we're much more comfortable with risk but we're going to need to find ways of of insuring that risk managing that risk modeling that risk and that's a challenge in its own right if you haven't got data and you know it's not a retrospective look it's something that's new we're going to have to rise to that challenge and i think we can so i think we're a very very significant player in this space and an important player and we're undervalued and not visible enough so i think i feel kind of there's this job here to take what we do now and and put it out there a little bit make it a little more visible and make people realize that we are in fact a real power player in this and we've got really really crucial skills to to bring to the table so but we're a shy retiring uh, industry and and I think perhaps a little less shy and retiring in this instance might not be a might not be a bad thing so that's that's why I got involved really I, I think there's a there's a lot for us to do and I, I really wanted to be part of that and when you're talking about this how much of it is a sort of industry collaborative initiative and how much of this would you say is you know, WTW and other sort of large players in the market kind of having their direction? Well, I think you raise the magic word, actually, in this, uh, in this instance, which is collaboration. And if ever there was a subject that needed us to be collaborative, it's this, it's this topic. We've got too much to do in too short a period of time to get hyper-competitive about this and work in our own sort of independent silos. You know, climate is a, our old boss used to say, it's a team sport. You know, I, I used to quite like that. It really is. And I think not only across our own industry, and there are great, there are great examples of real collaboration across our own industry, um, but also 
I think even more importantly, collaborating with external partners who've got other bits of the puzzle to help us, you know, get over some of these issues that I've just spoken about, particularly like emerging technology where, you know, we're not going to know the answers. Clients will probably know more than we will. There'll be other people that know more than we will. So we should get together with them. So I think there's an urgent need for a more collaborative approach to to dealing with this. Um, so whilst it is an enormous strength of my own company, I'm very proud to say that, um, where, you know, we want to continue to be a leader. Um, I, I think it's also we want to be a leading collaborator as as well. So very important word in the in the climate uh, in the climate environment um, and still not happening enough for us to really get our arms around these around these issues I, I think and as we have this conversation it's it's only a matter of days since um the market ended up in in the press through the protest that was taking place outside the Lloyds building um so where do you think we are in terms of public perception of what we're doing as an industry because I what I read in the press it was almost um, a message as though we are facilitating damage to the planet, um, whereas you're talking about facilitating improvement to the situation. Mm. Great question. And I think our, our messaging is horrible. Um, you know, I mean, I, I had the, uh, I had a really, really senior person in the London advertising industry, uh, nothing, this is, this is my collaboration story again, calling and chatting to me the other day, who raised this point. He said, you know, your, your com- communication as, a, as the financial services industry is just horrendous. Because um, he'd got wind of the fact that a COP, you know, the COP was where the financial services industry showed up and said, hey, we know the power that we own. We're going to drive this. OK, we're going to re- be a real player. Incredibly positive set of statements, which are being, you know, led by people like Mark Carney and, and followed through. And and um, but you can't change the world overnight. You know, that's that's unrealistic. You can push as hard as you can. Um and uh, so I think there is very little visibility of this. We're pushing hard and we're pushing as hard as we can. I think the activist community and completely understand them want to go, no, we need to like do this like yesterday. And that pressure is no bad thing. I mean, it was interesting. There were a number of, um, uh, you know, I walked down Lime Street like everybody to see people sort of glued to railings or whatever they were doing and running around chatting to people. And I, I don't think they got quite the sort of... Um, I don't think they quite got the reaction they were expecting from certain people on the street who were going, yeah, well, hey, look, we need to fix this. We're doing our bit. I don't think people know how strongly we feel about this and how we are trying to change this whilst continuing to support clients um, and encourage them through transition using the powers that we've got and the thinking that we've got. Um, it's it's a much bigger change in the tide than 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 people know and understand about. And it's very poorly messaged, Sam. So I think we'll continue to see this. And, um, you know, activists uh, have absolutely got their got their place. And um, so so we, I think, having a better understanding of each other is probably what's what's called for. Some real expertise in the messaging area wouldn't be wouldn't be a bad wouldn't be a bad thing in in this case, I, I, I feel. And when we look inside the industry, 
So I, I talked to a lot of um, people even looking to join the industry or starting their career about where they want to go. And people are, are really sort of passionately saying, I want to be involved in ESG. And, and I even remember a few weeks ago, I had a conversation who someone who was looking for their first job and he's like, I want it to be in ESG. And I was like, the reality is you just can't in your first couple of jobs almost fall into that role. The thing is you, you just come in, you do a role and you put your hand up and volunteer for as much as you can maybe do to get involved in it. Um, but people like you um, uh, uh, are able to actually spend a proportion of their working hours on this um, are probably not you know, a, a high representation of the industry. So if we're looking at people across the industry as a whole, how can how can individuals get involved and support make a difference here? Well, I think there's two answers to that. The straight up answer is is start to get into it as a subject, and there's a lot going on all the time. And um, you know, it's okay, this touches almost or touches on my collaboration point a bit. I mean, this is a this is a, a subject that requires people who are in the insurance industry to really network outside the industry and get to know more about what's going on and start to join some of these things together and that no, nobody's being stopped from doing that i mean that that I, so i would first of all urge younger people to jump in and really learn more about what's going on but the real reason i kind of say that well first of all it's very interesting it will give give you thoughts and ideas about how you might want to take your career but i think What's really, you know, ESG, climate, is a risk issue, right? It's all about risk. We're in the risk business. And and I think, um, you know, our, our great friend and, and colleague, fellow member of the Worshipful Company of Insurers, Rowan Douglas, makes a very interesting point here. He often says, you know, there's a bit of old wine in new bottles here. And that is absolutely true. And I think, you know, th- th- this... ESG is a lens through which you look at risk and what it's doing to the risks that, that what is it doing to, to risk as that um, is manifesting itself to, to our clients, our organisations. You have to look through the, the ESG lens at everything. You can't sort of, we're not just selling product anymore, you know, we're de-risking companies. And if you're in the business of de-risking clients, you've got to have their ESG agenda at the, at the forefront of your mind because they have you know they've got that agenda at the forefront of their mind they've got regulators all over them asking them to to look at this subject in new and, and interesting ways so we know you can't ESG is what we do you know you can't divorce you can't divorce our day-to-day work from from ESG they are materially linked to each other and I think I would therefore say you know, whatever part of the business that you that you're working in, it's kind of got an ESG linkage, definitely. And you need to be thinking about that when you're talking to uh, clients. Uh, if, you know, and and if we're looking to provide the right type of products and services from the industry, you have to be thinking through an ESG lens. So I don't think you can divorce them. I think I think once you're in the industry, you're in the ES, you're actually kind of in the ESG business to some degree or another. And how you choose to make that work for you and your customers, I think, should be driven by the customer. So get knowledgeable and then start to think about it in what you do on a day-to-day basis. That's my, my kind of answer to those to that point. Yeah, I like looking at that. So 
rather than just looking as as people that sell insurance the per- people don't buy insurance because they want insurance they, they're buying insurance to to avoid or mitigate risk so yeah looking at it as a de-risking um service that we offer rather than a product that we're selling i think it's uh, a nice mindset there you know insurance is something that is an enabler you know it, it you can look at it two ways uh and and i had a real revelation on on this point when i was a very very young man and i knew i was in the insurance business and i knew i was buying insurance placing insurance for and on behalf of people and i had a run in once with a with a a really wonderful lloyd's underwriter who made me think about these things in a completely different way and the value of what i was what i had in my slipcase and um you know the fact of the matter was that if what i was doing wasn't you know didn't perform then the business at the level that we were looking at the business that we were insuring wouldn't be there anymore you know so i wasn't just they weren't just buying insurance they I, we were enabling them to stay in business and and that i know this is terribly basic stuff but i still don't think we think about that enough we're a business enabler absolutely and that's why it's so interesting in the ESG environment. We, we need to be a business, in, a business enabler in an ESG world. There's going to be new risks that people are going to need to look at that are going to need to be removed from businesses or partially removed from businesses or quantified or, or looked at in new ways to enable those businesses to continue to thrive and expand in a new world. So that principle of, you know, you're not buying a product, you're selling a a really core and vital service to business, a de-risking, a de-risking service to enable them to do more and do that safely. I think an attract investment is absolutely the kind of fundamental. And I've always thought that. I thought that for the last thirty-five years, ever since I was uh, taught a, a, a lesson in public. <laughs> you never forget those, do you? In Lloyd's of London, by a by a rather brilliant underwriter, a very brilliant underwriter. Well, you mentioned briefly um, how we met, which is through the Washable Company of Insurers. And I know um, people that probably follow us on, on LinkedIn um, might see the odd thing coming up. But I'm asked all the time by people, like, what what is it? What like what what is that tag all about? And and um, what's its role within the industry? And and it's something that I think is a big part of, of my life in insurance now and I know it's a big part of yours and it's something that I think more people you know really need to know about in terms of knowing how to get involved if they want to and essentially what, what the WCI actually does and this is quite an exciting time to be talking to you about it because your role within the WCI is um, is progressing we'll talk about that but before we go into what your role is do you want to tell everyone about what the WCI um, is for from your point of view, because I think we all as members have a different answer to this. So what would be your, your answer? Well, so, I mean, the Worshipful Company of Insurance is, of course, a livery company. And um, a livery company is a, a livery companies to, the, to the, the people who don't know about them are something of a mystery of their own right. But I, I think probably the best thing to do is to say that you know, livery companies, some of them are, are, are knocking on a thousand years old. And... Um, in the city of London, as it was um, all those years and years ago, um, you know there were there were trades, and those trades were felt it their responsibility quite rightly to bring on 
individuals into that trade and for them to become excellent at, at what they do. And, you know, the city of London, the enclosed square mile, once upon a time a walled square mile, um, continued with that sort of ethos. Um, and those ancient livery companies are still around. Now, uh, obviously some of them are, they've got blended membership. So a lot of the older ones don't do just what they say on the tin. You know, they're not necessarily just mercers or merchant tailors. There's a lot of other people from the other city um, industries within those groups. Um, but, you know, the ethos is there of, of being an organisation of people from within the industries that promote those industries, that um, encourage excellence in those industries through sort of education, um, raise funds for, for charity, um, foster fellowship, so within, within the organisations, and, and support the City of London and, and the, the, aims of the, the aims of the City of London. Um, now, in the 1970s, uh, it was quite correctly decided. It was probably time that we had some livery companies that actually reflected the trades of the modern city. Um, and so that's when we saw the, the beginnings. We saw the new livery companies of the Worshipful Company of International Bankers, for example, the Worshipful Company of Insurers. And uh, we're the 92nd of these livery companies. And we do, and we're a working livery, so you can only be a member of the Worshipful Company of Insurers if you are a working member of the insurance industry. And we, we tend to also say, and qualify for membership of the CII. You don't have to be a member of the CII, but you, you need to be somebody that would qualify for membership of the CII. So we're a working livery, and um, we uh, are an interesting gathering of, of individuals. It, it's a group of... Um, you know, 500 or so people, um, anybody can join. It is not, uh, you know, a hyper-exclusive club that thou shalt not come into. It's something that we passionately believe is useful for people to, to join. And it is an amazing way of immersing yourself in an interesting group of people within the industry, a lot of whom are actually very senior, um, and a way of, of learning some of these in, important things, Sam, that we've been talking about, you know, we have a big ESG agenda at the moment, learning about how to, we're learning about how to bring people together in the industry. Sam, you're more than aware of the focus we have of bringing younger people together. We have a, a, an incredibly aggressive plan on diversity. We have a, we have a group that focuses on, on the, those elements of, of, our, of, our, of our industry. We have a group that focuses on the, the on on um, non-executive directors. You know, we own the kind of sort of education space of NEDs that are working within the industry sector. Um, we have trusts that raise a lot of money, and you know, and we gather and we get together and we network and we have a good time and there's, and and that's great as as well. Um, I was I was very attracted to. The, the old actually I quite I like I like the linkage to the city of London I'm I'm the city of London has given me everything that I have and and I really wanted to find a way of a channel through which I could get more involved in that and and contribute something on the way through and the livery sort of gave me that um, 
I've met some fantastic people through the livery. And I think, um, you know, I, I view it as, as a real part of my life now. It's a lovely way of balancing, promoting the city, which I think is, you know, the city wants to be, the, for example, Sam, the city wants to be, the is the centre of the global centre for green finance. I, I think that's worth promoting and worth being part of that, that promotional activity. Love to be part of that. We can do that through our, our livery company. Um, we want to, you know, and we want to latch on to that that historic role of the livery companies of bringing really smart young people up and into you know the city and and turning them into the best people that they possibly can be and opening up opportunities for people that don't necessarily think that our industry and our city is 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 for them. I think that's that's another very important piece of of, of the puzzle for us. And part of our charitable giving is is pointed in that direction. Too. So I liked the story of what it does, um, and that's what attracted me to it. Now I think we've got a very important role, and I think as as uh, these new these agendas of um, you know um, openness, equality, um, sustainability um, are, are 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 really crucial value drivers for our industry we want our livery to be the place that is seen as an absolute driver of, of those agendas within the community of the city of london and within within our industry i think we've got a lot of soft power i think that's a, a word two words and i'd like to see us use that incredibly gently but as an influence another another nice modern word is it i think we're an influencer and I'd like us to see, to see us do a little more of that as well as, um, you know, getting together and, and enjoying ourselves after what has been a, a pretty turgid couple of years, Sam. Yeah, I, I think, I, I always see it like an open, it's an open secret of, of the market. Like a lot of people yeah. don't know it's there, but it's, it, it's really not deliberate that people don't know about it. You just kind of, I guess, it's not something you kind of talk about very often unless you're at because you know, you're talking about it a lot when you're at WSR events and that actually takes up you know, certainly for us we do a lot of volunteering so it takes up quite a lot of your time so when you're not doing WCI events you're not really necessarily talking about it so you kind of either know a lot about it or not at all I can remember when I found out about it I was at the um, Bieber Awards night and we had a table, it was for the, um, I was on the LMA Academy's table and uh, they were up for the training provider of the year. And I was a member of the LMA Academy committee, which was chaired by Charlotte Myers and Bob Stutchbury was on it, Carl Jarvis, Tony, like lots of people that I knew probably for a couple of years by this point from this committee. And Carl was sat next to me and just sort of mentioned it. And I was like, what are you talking about? What What is this? And he started talking me through it. I, I remember I did say to him, I said, is this the thing with the sheep? And he, he looked horrified. <laughs> it's a bit more than that, Sam. But, like, but it is, though. It's this thing with the sheep, right? And then, and then, uh, and then as we kind of went around the table, I realised maybe 60% of my table were members. People I'd known for a couple of years, but I'd never known. Because it just never come up. And they were like, yeah, of course you can join. And I was like, well, this is brilliant. Okay, I definitely want to join. This sounds fantastic. And, um, and then as I joined, I realised even more people I knew around the market were members. And then, and there was... Uh, almost a, a kind of a whole um, benefit of working in insurance that I just hadn't opened the door to because I didn't know it was there. 
and then what's say for me i think what's what's in it um I, I love I love networking and I know lots of people listen to this and will think, oh, I can't think of anything worse. Um, but I love networking and it's kind of natural version that people would think about it. You turn up at an event, you, you, you have a, a, a glass of something in one hand and handing out business cards in the other and, and it's kind of introductions. And I, I enjoy that in itself. But when you go to a WCI event, it's, it's just so different to that because you join as a member with the intention of signing up for a long time, let's say, quite often through retirement for a lot of members. So you know when you meet someone, you are going to see them again and again and again and maybe meet their partners and their children because there's a lot of outside of work things as well. Um, so there's just this authenticity around it where people just, I don't know, have a lot more of a um, patience to meeting people as opposed to networking where you can kind of see that like looking over the shoulder, who am I going to talk to next? You don't get that because you're going to see them again. So um, I just, I've always found it, you know, a little bit more like every, t every time I walk in the room, I know more people than I did the time before. Whereas any other event you go and you're like, oh, I wonder if I'm going to know anyone. Like, I'd never have to worry about that now. I did at the beginning, don't get me wrong. You know, you go through a series of, of kind of turning up and meeting people. But after a handful of events, it, it just sort of flips to the point where you feel like you're, you know who you're going to see in the room. And then anyone else is just an, another new introduction. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I think what we're trying to create is a, an incredibly supportive environment, an unthreatening environment for for networking and, and just being a member. You know, once you once you're once you're a member, you know, you're you're in a you're in a really sort of very supportive environment. And that's I think that manifests itself in in what you've just said I've always found it that way I remember the very first time I went to a I went to a livery uh, dinner I ended up sitting smack in front of somebody who was you know unequivocally a grandee of the uh, of the insurance business and I was absolutely terrified I thought oh good lord this is going to be one of those long evenings nothing could be further from the truth I mean this was somebody who sort of they clearly dropped their kind of super professional guys and was there being very supportive and and actually it was a lovely evening and and um i've had i've got lots of instances of those types of uh you know encounters and i i think it's not a sort it's not a kind of like secret a deliberate secret nothing could be further from the truth it's entirely open to all um and um you know the only thing you have to do is to uh get accepted by the membership committee, which is which is normally a process of knowing somebody that they can reference you. Um and 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 that and that's that's it. Normally for five years actually is the uh, what we go for. Um but we continue to thrive and membership is fantastic. It's we have a, all the new membership pattern is incredibly diverse, which is wonderful. Um, and we continue to aggressively pursue those agendas and very, very proud of that, very proud of that fact. And the five-year thing, for, for younger members, they're a lot more lenient on that because they you know, might not have yeah. been working for five years. So if anyone's curious to find out more, feel free to get in touch um, and then we can tell you more about it, but also point, like, there's 500 members. You're going to know someone. You just don't know that you know someone. Um, so we can help you find find those people um, and find your way 
find your way through. Um, and you're going to be master next year. Now, this is where, um, I, 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 you know, people will get annoyed I'm using this term, but I always feel we get a bit Harry Potter with all of our different words and, and phrases. Uh, <laughs> but what does master mean when your role comes in? Well, the master is the um, is the head of the organisation, I, I guess, and um, you know, I would I would r- much rather you, you m- the master is a position that you can only hold for a year uh, normally. Uh, David Sales, uh, who's currently master, has held the position for two years, uh, as a lot of livery companies have because of the rather extraordinary circumstances of COVID and uh, not being able to do all the things that we've been normally been able to do so that was extended but you know the master is the master is the person who is uh, in the chair and so it's a sort of it's a it's a chairman slash uh ceo type role um uh it's and and obviously the ceremonial head of the organization as as well in the chair at dinners and so on and so forth representative of the company um we're certainly you know we there's an executive group which is, you know, coming together much more as a fighting unit. I, I really am pleased to say. So, you know, we have a we have a master, a senior warden, which is me at the moment, and a, a junior warden, Claire Burrell, who will, you know, provided we don't do anything really horrendous and they don't vote us in, uh, you know, that's the natural progression um, uh, in, into the chair. And we, um, you know, we work very closely together. So I, I think that sort of we don't have sort of the crazy total executive power thing going on. We, we have a, we have a much more sort of collaborative approach to, to doing these things. And we've got fantastic chairs of our key committees who are really the people who, who run this thing on a, on a, on a day in day out basis. Um, and so I'm a big fan of the, of the collaborative team approach. And then that means, we've got our ear to the ground better and we can, um, you know, we can meet the needs of our members better and and we can continue to push these important agendas, um, which will, you know, the aim being to make our members more informed about a lot of these new external things that we've been talking about in this discussion, as, as, as well as meeting our, um, our obligations to promote insurance, and um raise funds for um for charities and i so i i'm very encouraged by this this new way that we're looking at things sam and i i'm be i'm incredibly deeply honored to be you know put in the chair for a year um to to be to be the master um it's it's an enormous honor um uh, there haven't been that many. I mean, we're what forty-two years old, something like that, and uh, it, it's just a a privilege I never ever thought I'd 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 have. So I'm I'm really thrilled about it, and and very honoured to be taking over in uh, October. So, if we pick out some of the things that I think the livery groups get involved in that people would know of but maybe don't know, are the livery groups. Um, I'll list off a few that come to my mind. So we have the Lord Lord Mayor show. So people might see that on the TV where the Lord Mayor is voted in by the livery members and, yes. and then it goes across um, over, leaves the city, goes to Westminster and essentially um, 
gets um, introduced into their role and that's all supported by livery groups. One of the exciting things you get to do during the role of master, you, you, you go to um, one of the garden parties at Buckingham Palace, is that right? Legend has it. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of exciting features. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, for me, the inter-insurance programme, people will, will hear me talking about that mm -hmm. a lot, hopefully. Hopefully people hear me talking about that a lot, certainly try to. Um, that's all sponsored by the Worshipful Company of Insurers um, mm -hmm. through the drive to get diverse people into the industry and make that kind of accessible route mm -hmm. into the industry. Um, and then um, the, the mentoring as well, we think, you know we've brought in some new things for particularly for younger members over the last few years i mean i'd say in all fairness if we went back 15 years the membership would have looked quite different as a demographic to where it is yeah. now um and a big part of that is uh, more women and more young people um just you know more variety of different people as you walk in the room um and with um i engage so our young members group what we're really looking at is how we can offer value to the members who are younger. I think as you are older in your career, um, joining probably, there's probably less to weigh up in your membership decision because a lot of your friends around the table is a lot of kind of things going on for you. But when you're kind of turning up as a younger member and most of your insurance friends probably aren't at that table, um, it, you need to know what's in it. And, and I think, you know, it's a great proposition we've got there now with mentoring. <clears throat> No, the mentoring is brilliant because there's so many, you mentioned the INEDs, there's so many directors in this membership yeah. um, who just literally volunteer their time every other month to mentor a young member. And you can just, mm. you know, be there and you're talking to CEO of Hiscox or CEO of CII and you're getting you know, half an hour one-to-one -one mentorship from somebody who you, know, you you're just like honoured to get the time of really. Um, mm. So you know, I think we're definitely we're definitely getting there with that. But I just I I would love more people to know about it because I always find if there's something really good and not enough people know about it, then I'm like, oh, now is it fair? Because it because <laughs> it needs to be out there and open for everyone. And I think um, I think we're getting you no, know, we are getting there with that. But hopefully, people listening to this will kind of feel intrigued to have a look look into it and get in touch if they want to find out more. I do hope so, Sam. I, it, you know, as I've as I've said, there are no barriers to uh, there's no barriers to to joining, um, and it's not a deliberately secret group in any way, shape, or form. Um, we're really trying hard to have a you know a group here, a, a livery company here that that responds to the very modern needs of 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 our of our industry, and and I think we're doing kind of okay, you know, but. It, it's um there's always need to do more um and and need for, for for greater visibility and i think you know with people like you involved and enabling us to do things like this that's a a, a really fantastic this is a great opportunity for us to explain what we're up to i think a little bit of british reticence is probably a part of the livery movement as well and uh i that's quite nice there's a lot of there's some of the traditional things are rather lovely and and um you know play into that connection with the city civic and the the ancient role of the city of london as this incredible financial center and there's a lot of things that go with it um that are very traditional um 
and are nice to be part of. You know, it's, I remember, Sam, when we first started visiting the groups around the London market, um, you know, the under 35s groups and so on and so forth, to start to really think about what it was that, how we could fit in and add something to the mix. And it was quite clear that, uh, you know, the, the body language around the table with these groups really sort of changed when you mentioned like two things. It was interesting. One was the mentoring thing and plugging into a network of senior people that you might not be able to get access to normally. And that that's fair. That's, that's absolutely there. The other one was, uh, you yeah, know, I wouldn't mind going to dinner at the mansion house. You know, there was that sort of, there was that real level of interest about how does that happen and how does that work? And I think it is quite nice that we continue to have that an element of that tradition within what we what we do. It's a signifier for what we what we're part of and what we what we stand for. Um, City of London's an amazing place with extraordinary history, and I, I like to think that in our own little way we're going to continue to contribute to that through the through the livery movement and our role with the Lord Mayor and the City Civic. It's 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 a it's a good thing. It's a cool thing. Yeah, I love I love the dinners because um, I mean I, I like taking like initially I just liked them for me. Now I like taking people to the dinners. So I can yeah. remember um, I took my mum and dad once to to an event. Um, I've only taken them once, but I will be taking them again because um, they don't live in London. So for them to come in and um, get to go to um, some grand buildings and, and have a you know a, a f- I mean, formal dinner, and I say formal, I laugh as I say formal, because my definition of a formal dinner was um, nothing like uh, I'd expected this to be. Because you know? mm. um, the ceremony that goes with it is, um, it, you know, it's, it's so unique. You just don't get that it kind is. of opportunity otherwise. Yeah. So to take people um, along to it, I think, is, is a really you know, nice, memorable event for them to do as well. Mm. So, yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of that piece. And I think that's that's essentially the whole purpose behind it. So if there's so much change that it forgets the purpose, then what's the point of the livery group? Mm. Make it modern enough that it's fit for purpose within the industry we're working in at the minute. Correct. Beautifully put. So we always end this podcast with a piece of advice. Um, so if you are giving advice to people who are listening on earlier in their careers about how to get the most out of their career, progress in their career. What do you say um, to people who are looking for nuggets of wisdom? Well, I would say that I, I really, really, really want people to turn up as themselves and have the confidence to, to do that. I've, my experience over the years has been that um, you know, those people who aren't able to do that have less fulfilling careers. And I think when the chips are down, sometimes it it's not helpful to be a bit of a construct either. So um, without wishing to make any sort of deep statements here, I really want us to have an industry where people can show up and be themselves, be what they want to be, who they want to be, and feel that they can contribute and that's my second point is please do feel you can contribute uh, there is no there's no idea that's a bad idea um i've i've come to learn from endless hours sitting in meetings that uh 
when you finally pick on the person in the corner and go, what do you think? And they go, well, seeing as you ask, I think this. And you go, now there's the nugget, you know. And I, and, and I, I often ask myself, why did that person not feel that they were able to give us that nugget sort of, you know, half an hour ago? So those are my two things. I think feel confident to say what you want to say um, and feel confident to be who you want to be. And then I think it'll kind of, it'll naturally work out. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll hit those rail tracks that make you go fastest and, um, it, and it'll, it'll, it'll all come together. So those are my, that's my, that's my view, Sam. Excellent. Well, thank you for your time, Nick. And if people want to keep an eye on what, what um, you're up to, we'll direct them towards your LinkedIn um, for things. And, uh, if anyone has any questions on any of the topics that Nick's talked about, um, please please send them in and we can uh, field those as well afterwards. Thanks, Sam. It's been really nice talking to you. Thanks, Nick. Mm-hmm.